Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Johnny Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way. You certainly can. And if you want to send in your questions via the internet and you're not on Twitter and you can't call, you can go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions and we will go through those throughout the program as well. Mr. Fiegel, so hope Hello. you had a fantastic weekend. How I are did. you? I did good. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, a little cool this morning, so it uh, looks like the fall is in the air. We are getting close, friends. We are getting close. Two weeks away, Jeff, yeah. from the first game Can't of the regular season, which is amazing. Thank goodness we're here. Uh, the mm-hmm. NFL, and look, we've talked about this a lot, and we talked about the issues and the problems and the stuff we are worried about, so let me give some credit where credit is due here, and Boy, the NFL as a league, the teams, and most importantly, the players have done an unbelievable, and the coaches too, have done an unbelievable job keeping this sport healthy. Mm -hmm. They really have. And we talked about this a million times, Jeff, and I didn't even want to open the show with this, but I think it's worth saying, given we're at the two-week mark before the season starts, Mm -hmm. that this in the end was all going to come down to personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. When the people were not in the building, were they going to be responsible, do, you know, stick to responsible behavior, not bring the infection and COVID into the facility. And so far, everyone has just done a wonderful, wonderful job, and it's going to allow us to start a season on time in September, something a lot of the naysayers a month or two ago claimed never was going to happen. You're right, I, and I was one of those. I did not think that this was going to kick off on time. I, uh, I thought it was going to get pushed back uh, because of all the stuff that we were considering. I mean, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, but you hit the nail on the head with the the players have done a great job. Now, listen, pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, they're kind of a little been confined to a point where it is training camp and they're busy as heck. 100%. And so when all this breaks up in a few, I think this might be, I think Thursday is, is the last scrimmage and then that's it. Yep. Um, then let's just hope that they still continue to be, uh, you know, obedient, if you will, and continue to do the things to keep this team healthy. Because we talked about this earlier when when this all started, John, and we all agreed that the team that stays healthiest is going to win more, right? And so let's just kind of keep our fingers crossed that not only for the Giants to stay healthy, but the league itself. I mean, I, I read on a report from Pro Football Talk this morning that there was two more guys that went into the COVID, but there was only one on the list before that. So to answer your question, they've done an incredible job when you think about it. If I asked you, John, a month ago, if you thought this, that would happen ever, you would say, oh, there's no way. There's no way that that would happen without a bubble, which is good stuff. Yeah, and you're right. It gets tougher from here because to your point, Jeff, for the fans that don't might not know, you know, basically during training camp, guys are here from like 8 to 8 or 9 to 8, so they don't really have much time to go out and do stuff. There's no travel. Travel will now come into consideration now. Now it's only one night. It's not like the other sports where you're in a, multi- a different town for multiple days. Mm-hmm. But it gets more challenging. And all I can say is knock on wood, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, and we're going to have a very good and complete football season. Is your, that table's not wood in the office. No, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, got, I, have, I have my, my, my office table is wood, so 
there. You heard it. I am in the BBK room. I'm at the wooden table. I am knocking go. on it, so hopefully we can we can go, go, go. All right, Jeff. That's right. Th- this is our first show since the Giants scrimmage on Friday at MetLife Stadium. Um, we can talk a lot about that. And, again, we want to get to your calls early and often at 201-939-4513. So, Jeff, here's the thing about the scrimmage on Friday. You were not there, correct? You just watched it on TV? That's right. Okay. Parts of it. Now. I've gotten a lot of complaints and issues on Twitter about it, and I have not responded to them on purpose because I didn't want to put it you know, in those short amount of characters. I want to be very clear and complete in my answer. Something we've talked about all during training camp, Jeff, has been the league in general, and the Giants have been one of the teams that have adhered to this policy, where we're not allowed to report on you know, personnel usage, formation, schematics, and things of that nature. The question is why, for the fans that haven't heard me make this spiel before. Well, it's simple. We've talked all summer about and spring about the disadvantages the Giants have by having a new coach, new coordinators, mm-hmm. young football team, virtual offseason, limited padded practices, not a lot of time together, and young quarterback, all that working against them this year. And it's all true. Well, the one advantage the Giants have is nobody knows what the heck they're going to do and how they're going to use their players. Nobody knows. They've never seen this group of coaches together with this set of athletes. So the Giants and a lot of other teams, I know uh, Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys did something similar when they broadcasted their practice and scrimmage over the weekend, where they are trying to keep as much secret as possible to give themselves as big of an advantage as possible when they play the Steelers for the first time on, first time on Monday Night Football. Right. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. So, folks, I understand there were a lot of tight angles. There was a lot of close-up shots. There wasn't a lot of wide shots showing the whole field by design. Mm-hmm. Our production people are very good. They know what they're doing. And, they're, and they listen well because they were told to do a lot of that too. Bingo. Yeah. So here was the deal. You were either going to get what we gave you or you were not going to get anything at all. <laughs> That's right. So or we you, figured we'll yeah. give you what we can and as much of a taste as we can because otherwise you would have gotten nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's just the way it is. I know fans might be annoyed about this and you're a little frustrated by it. This is your way of helping the team win. You're at home. You're cheering. You go to the games. You cheer. You can't do that now. Well, the one way you can help the team win is by accepting and being satisfied and understanding that you're not getting as much of a look as you normally get in the preseason, which will help the team against the Steelers on Monday Night Football opening week. <laughs> you hope so, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, you got to try, right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, and, and you can't fault the coaching staff because, you know, uh, first of all, aside from having a new staff and new players and new co- – you know, the whole thing, by nature – by nature, football coaches are very, very suspicious. They are they they do not want to give anything away. Um, they think that somebody's always looking out on over the shoulder. Somebody's got a camera over in the hotel across uh, you know the interstate. They're looking at the practice fields. I mean, it's it's really crazy what these coaches think. And believe me, sometimes it happens where people are looking. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to go any further than that. But the fact is, is that they've got to do as much as they can to appease the fans. And John, you, you made a good point. Listen, 
if you didn't like it, at least it's more than you should have gotten. I mean, they could have just said, we're not going to do any of this stuff. Um, so I think it's really good for the fans to understand that. And, and by the way, you have to understand, too, is that the coaches' staff, they're trying to get as much as they can out of these scrimmages as, as they need to, too, without giving away a lot of it, right? So it's about, about evaluation. And I think if you did get a chance to look at the scrimmage on Saturday night, um, a lot of you were there at Friday night, John. But um, from what I take, there was a lot of things going on, um, very basic Offense and defenses uh, running their schemes and this and that, but it really proved that there were some players that that we had questions about that really came about and played well. Um, and there's some time, there's some questions about some units there that you hope that they can pick it up a little bit in the next couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah, so here, here's how you watch it. By the way, if you didn't happen to see the scrimmage, you can check it out at a couple of different places. You can go to Giants.com mm-hmm. and watch it. You can go to the Giants YouTube page and watch it. It's also on the Giants mobile app. So you yep. can check it out at all those spots. And if you don't want to watch the video, well, go check out my sideline view article, which is kind of an in-depth look at exactly what happened over the course of the scrimmage. For the folks that didn't watch it, the way Joe Judge set this up, and and we talked about this last week a little bit, Jeff, he basically set the offense versus the defense. Well, you can't do that and keep score because obviously the offense is going to win because it's really hard for the defense to score points, right? Mm -hmm. So they set up a scoring system for the defense. Right. where Clever. they got 12 points for a defensive touchdown, 12 points for a field goal block return for a touchdown, three points for a three and out, three points for a takeaway, two points for a turnover on downs, one point for a forced punt, two points for a stopped two-point conversion. So that's how they match the offense, which had their typical scoring, six for a touchdown, three for a field goal, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that's how it was set up. Um, Jeff, I think to me, what you have to get excited about most of all was the play of Lorenzo Carter. He was mm-hmm. in the backfield a lot. He lined up on both sides. He was lining up all over the place, and he beat a number of different players, both mm-hmm. tight ends and offensive tackles, to get to the quarterback, and he showed good burst. He used his length really well on one pass rush. I thought he played a really, really nice game. Maybe the best prolonged amount of football I've seen him play in his young Giants career. I think there's a couple things to this. Um, first and foremost, and again, I, I, I believe I played the game long enough to understand this, that um, both at a young young age and even at an old veteran age, that coaching goes a long ways. Coaching, uh, good coaches will bring out exceptional talent. I mean, did, you look at Carter. This is a guy that, you know, we're kind of waiting for him to sprout, right? We're ready for him to make some moves. And you saw in the scrimmage he did. So I'm, I'm telling you that I think that he's getting some really good coaching from Brett Bittelma, uh, the outside linebackers coach. And, again, this is all about what we've been talking. What is Patrick Graham going to do to get pressure on this quarterback? You mentioned it, John. He moved him around. Uh, he's not going to be on just on the left side or the right side. He's going to line up where there's a mismatch. And he tried to create those the other night by lining up all over the place. He, he beat both tackles, okay? Um, and also you had some good defensive line play. Um, so the offensive line, when you want to look at them and you want to grade them out, I'm sure you're probably thinking like, well, what the heck? What does this new offensive line consist of? Well, there's, they've got a long ways to go, but there was some good and some bad and some ugly of, throughout the whole scrimmage at each position. Well, remember, Jeff, you know, it's going to take these offensive linemen time to gain some chemistry with each other. 100%. Right now, you're only looking at two guys from last year, and they're on opposite yeah. sides of the line. So yep. 
you know, Nick Gates did work with Kevin Zeitler and Will Hernandez last year playing different spots, sure, but it's different when he's in a different position. So, well, yeah, he's making the calls. He wasn't making the calls last bingo. year. Bingo. So it's yeah. going to take some time for this offensive line to get their act together. We talked about how the loss of Nate Solder hurts. This is one of the way it hurts mm -hmm. because now you have another new guy in there you're trying to figure things out with. So that's something I think early in the year we have to keep an eye on in terms of these guys being ready to go. And, again, it's a really – Tough pass rush in week one against T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. I also want to caution people when, you know, listen, when we talk about this this team, we do need to understand that this is a young football team. This is a new coaching staff. And, yes, we want them to go to the Super Bowl every single year, but you have to also believe that this is going to be a process. And I think this, the sooner you realize that, um, you can have high expectations. That's fine. Um, I know the coaches do and the players do and a lot of the fans do. But, you know, you got to be careful because there's a lot to still be learned here with a new offense, a new defense, new players, new coaches. So just just hold tight. And, um, you know, you hopefully you can get off to a somewhat of a of a good start. you got a t tough four games coming up here to start the first quarter of the season. So but. Overall, I think, you know, there was a lot accomplished the other night, John, as far as from a, I guess, a, a logistical standpoint. You know, you had your first kind of, I guess, a rendition of what it's going to be like to be on the sideline at Giant Stadium in a game situation, which was good. No question about it. All right, you talked about it being encouraging. Well, the head coach of the New York Football Giants, Joe Judge, he agreed. I thought they did a good job stringing some drives together. I think, like I said the other night, there's a lot of restriction we put on the team, you know, and how we had to play the game, the tempo of the half. That, that eliminates a lot of what you can do on both sides of the ball. We understood that going as a coaching staff. We knew what we were looking for specifically from the units along with certain players. So, no, I came out very encouraged. And that was specifically yeah. a question asked about the offense, Jeff, because there weren't a lot of long, sustained drive right. uh, from that first-team offense or a couple big plays. Jones and Darius Slayton on a big 41-yard catch and run. But it wasn't, I would say, the, the smoothest, most consistent <laughs> offensive performance. Well, it's also there was no really live tackling. So you saw a lot of times Correct. guys were just two-hand touch before the first down marker, which now brought on the fourth down. You know, there's, there's a yeah. lot of things that the, the drives could have been continued or, you know, you played beyond the sticks, whatever. But, there, you know, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. Like he said, there was some restrictions. And I, that's a great word I think you used as far as this scrimmage was there was a lot of restrictions. Your, thoughts, really on, your thoughts on Daniel Jones? Um, I thought Daniel, one thing aside from the X's and O's of Daniel Jones that I'm, I'm starting to like is his leadership. Um, I'm seeing him, you know, we always have had to look at number 10 and the way he's lead, he led that football team and it was different. Uh, Daniel Jones is different. He's a guy that I feel like is a little bit more outspoken, a guy that can take uh, a leadership position by not only on and off the field, but in the current situation. Um, and I take this whole uh, racial injustice thing where they brought the team together and, and paused before the game started. I think these are type uh, – that's what I'm really impressed with, with, with Daniel Jones. Now, I was, I was somewhat I, – I, I think it was okay. I think he's got a little ways to go. Um, right now, scrimmaging the same people all the time. He's got a little tendencies to know some of those cornerbacks when he's throwing the football. And I think that he has uh, – when he gets to the real, real deal here – um, you know, he needs to hold on to that football. And I think the biggest thing with Joe Judge to emphasize for Daniel Jones is, is ball, is ball security, right? I mean, let's not turn the ball over. Um, let's not put ourselves and hurt ourselves and give us a chance to lose this football game by turning the ball over. 
No question about it. We already mentioned the O-line, Jeff. I should have played this earlier, but I'll okay. play it now. Here's Joe sure. Judge on the offensive line and, and how they played in that scrimmage on Friday. Well, you saw a lot of things from Tom. I think, you know, you see the young guys with the athleticism. I thought Nick Gates did a good job in the middle, you know, commanding the calls, getting everyone on the same page. I thought he played with a lot of toughness the other night. You know, I thought the tackles did a decent job. And there's some other times, you know, obviously our defense was able to mix up some different looks, you know, and create pressure. So there's a lot of parity in the night between our offense and defense, you know, based on the situation they were in. I thought Hernandez and Zeitler did a good job really playing physical. That showed up with Shane Lemieux. I was pleased with how Matt Pert and Eric Smith played on the edges. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of young guys that showed up as well. Tyler Haycraft had a large load the other night. Did a decent job in there handling it, especially with the mental and the change of our defense gave with different looks. You know, that's always a key thing for the center position to be the smart guy who steers everyone on the same page. So I was pleased with the way the offensive line worked there, improving every day. You know, Mark coaches those guys hard. You know, him and Ben get after them pretty good. They understand it's coming from the right place. Um, and I've seen those guys improve because they come to work every day with their lunch pail. You know, Jeff, he mentioned Matt Parrott, and he's a guy I want to bring up because we've been talking about how we think it's going to be some time for him to get used to it and all this stuff. From what I've seen from him in practice and now in the scrimmage, he is actually, in my opinion, a bit further along than I thought he would be. Mm -hmm. At this point, I think he got a lot stronger, and I think that's a big part of it. And I wasn't sure if he'd be able to do that without the NFL weight room and all that sort of stuff with the uh, virtual offseason program. But I've been pretty impressed by Matt Parrott. I'm not saying you put him in there and you start him on day one or anything. No. But I think considering... I, where I thought he was more of a, a player that was going to develop, I think he's further yeah. along than I thought he was going to well, be. Well, I think that he was labeled with that developmental player coming out of the draft. All of us did it, right? Oh, developmental player, you know. But by the way, listen, he's a third-round pick. You know, that's one thing we have to understand. Um, and, yeah, third-rounders, you want to develop them, but they're going to have to – they're going to play sooner or later because of their, their ability and, and the, just their draft position, right? A lot of people obviously thought he was good enough to be picked in the third round. That's a, that's a good player. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think that I'm looking at him at training camp and thinking that I'm going to have to see somebody that's going to really has a little bit of ways to go. But I, I, his progression has been great. And, again, I got to tell you, I think that's, that a lot of it has to do with coaching. I think a lot of it has to do with the strength and conditioning program that these guys were put through during COVID and all the, all the virtual stuff that they did. And I think if you're an offensive line coach like, like Mark Colombo and, and you look at some of the other coaches on that offense, they got to be pleasantly surprised at the maturation of him. They really do. Yeah, Jeff, I'm with you 100%. I really am. All right, one more thing he's from a big Joe. dude now. He's six foot seven. Yeah, and he's got you know he's got 36 inch arms. He's got pole. So <laughs> yeah, it, it trust me, it matters. It does. Yeah. So we have one more scrimmage coming your way on Thursday, but it's not quite going to be what we saw last Friday. Here's Joe Judge on what the final scrimmage of the preseason is going to look like on Thursday at MetLife Stadium this week. We're going to replicate some of the in-game things in terms of communication, tablets, some of the operational things just so we have another go-around as a coaching staff and building some of the communication on the sideline with our players. But it'll look a lot more like some of the practices you guys have been at, more like the first scrimmage than the second one, if that makes sense. You know, we're going to go ahead and work offense versus defense. We'll build in some specific situations we have to hit. And then we'll just have the move the field periods where we just go ahead and let them play ball. It's not going to be an exact simulated game like you saw uh, the other night, but we're going to try to replicate all the operational stuff for the team. We don't need to simulate a halftime. We've been through that. We will work on our overall, you know, pregame warm-up so they understand the timing and getting their bodies prepared for competition. That's important really for the young guys. That's a difference from, you know, what they may have done in college and definitely different what they've done in practice to this point leading up. So we'll have to build in some of that aspects of the game. Other than that, it'll be a lot of practice-focused stuff. So in other words, it's not going to be time on the clock. It's not going to be scoring system. It's not going to be, you know, that. Yeah. 
but it's yeah. going to be Jerry more practice. like a more advanced practice. And Jeff, he did not say this. Maybe this is me making an assumption. I'm guessing it's going to be more of a let's see what we have at the bottom end of the roster here <laughs> because, you you know, this is the fourth preseason game, right? Yeah, it's it's the much. same time that a fourth preseason game will be on the Thursday before the start of the regular season. So to me, this is probably going to be a situation where you're going to see more from the guys towards the bottom of the roster. So it gives you an idea. Because remember, they're meeting every day now about how, what the final 53 is going to look like. And yeah. if they have some questions, it's actually helpful. They can specifically design practice to put some of these younger guys in situations to get the information they need to figure out who their 53 is going to be. That's right. I, I, I think going into this scrimmage on Thursday, the staff and I think the organization is pretty pretty set on they know who's going to make this football team by now. But as, as usual, there's some guys that make the football team in that fourth preseason game, right? So they're going to give these younger guys a little bit more of an opportunity, like he said, move the field, let the guys play. Well, that's going to be your opportunity right there. So um, I think that more importantly for the coaches and the players, aside from X's and O's, he hit on the tablets and the sideline organization and operations. As much as you think that that's you, a lot of the people don't understand because they just they're not they've never a part of it. Um, those tablets, John, you've been you know what they are. Um, the the, the sideline operations as far as the walkie talkies and the headsets and all that kind of stuff. If you're a new staff and you're not used to people talking on those and who's doing what and who's hitting the buttons at the same time, you want to have all that ironed out before you go and play that first game. So that's a big part of this last scrimmage. Um, and then also he touched on the pregame warm-ups, which I thought was a great idea because you know, a lot that's of funny because I heard that and I laughed. I'm like, yeah. Wait, you're practicing the no, pregame warm-up? <laughs> I'm telling you. So and, and, and the reason it makes sense more importantly for somebody that's been in the NFL like yourself for a while, you don't really understand. But remember, when we do our college games, remember the, these guys, their, their warm-ups are completely different than the, than the football level at the NFL. So these guys come from the college and they come into the pros. I rem I'll never forget the first time I did this. I was like, what am I supposed to do? Nobody's ever gone through this, you know, until like the, fourth, uh, the first preseason game. Then finally we had a, a walkthrough for the pregame, you know. And um, but it's good for the, the younger guys to know that, you know, an hour before the game, this is when you go out and, you know, two hours before the game, this is what you do. And and those kinds of things. It's important. It really is. And as far as, you know, there's not a lot of room out there. So you got to kind of know your area as far as linebackers and and DBs and defensive linemen, offensive linemen, stuff like that. And specialists, too. So it's kind of a it's a last dress rehearsal, just like that fourth preseason game is. But, you know, we, they don't have it, so they're going to do as much as they can to replicate it. All right, let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. Let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. And Hi, Charlie. Jeff, we did not talk about the special teams in this game, but That's Charlie wants to ask you about them. Chuckles. All right. Hi, Chuckles. Hey, hey, Jeff. Hey, John. Hey, uh, John. you were talking about watch the special teams. The guys who are the gunners or the guys who aren't it, they're probably going to make the team. So who were these guys? Because it was hard to see what was going on. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> you're, you're putting me on the spot to, to tell you who the first punt team was. Well, to be honest with you, I wasn't at, I wasn't at the scrimmage, and I only watch it from your perspective too. So yeah, I don't know yeah, if maybe right. John could might have, have seen it. But by the way, most of the people that were watching the scrimmage, they were nowhere to be seen either from what I understand. They're far, far away, really far away. Yeah, yeah. John, did you see anything? Charlie, I'm not allowed to specifically comment on player um, oh, okay. player okay. positioning All and right. what teams guys are lined up with. So, um, yes, I saw stuff. 
Can I relay those okay. th that stuff to you without losing my job? Right. Probably not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, All right. I would love to help you. I can't do it. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were listening off the top of the air, what John said was basically, yeah, we can't, you know, it's, it, we're privileged yeah, to yeah, see yeah, that stuff, but, you know, we don't want, the right. team doesn't want people to know about it, and that's why what you saw on TV was a little bit now, limited. Charlie, luckily, we're going to know in about five days, so that'll, right. yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't have much of a wait. Yeah. That's true. Hey, and the other, the other thing I wanted to talk, <clears throat> talk about was I, I don't understand Judd in the sense that he said uh, that Jones was productive. He had he his snaps. I don't know how many he had, how many series he had, but he ended up with one field goal. Plus, he fumbled again, which I told you guys is a major flaw with this guy. And yep. he got all this muscle, and he did all this stuff, and he's still doing it, and he's still going to do it because that's his flaw. He doesn't have the clock in his head. That is his problem. He doesn't have that clock in his head, and he cannot be taught. Great quarterbacks just have it. Hopefully, he'll do better, but. So my, I was just, I couldn't believe the judge said this guy was productive. To me, I would have said, you know something, a field goal is not adequate. You needed to do better than that. Well, I think that um, I, I somewhat agree with you to a point, but listen, you don't want to undermine your quarterback. You know, he's a young guy. He's trying to get this team put together. Um, I think there's probably would have been, there's probably, I'm guessing, Charlie, that there was things said to Daniel Jones that you, I, and John are not privy to. And Joe Judge is not going to share with about us, About his play. And so I, I would imagine that he was told that you need to pick it up a little bit. You know, listen, you, you can't fumble the football. We know that. All of us know that. Even you know that, Charlie. <laughs> so, but <laughs> well, I think they did have a sideline. They did have a sideline uh, broadcast where uh, Judd was, uh, mm -hmm. went over to uh, Daniel and said, uh, you know what I'm going to say, right? He said, oh, yeah, you mean my fumble? <laughs> mm -hmm. I wasn't – yeah, you know. So I, sure. I know. I, I, I just don't think it's as easy as everyone's saying that it can be fixed. Well, Charlie, Charlie, real quick. Just, Charlie, I want well, you to hang out here for a second. Work on it. Work I, have, on it. I, I have a quarterback – I have a quote that from quarterback's coach, Jerry Chaplinski. He was asked about how you coach up pocket presence, which I think is the, is the type of stuff you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. The clock. Hold on. Yeah. Here it is. Let's yeah. – Let's all listen together. Yeah, I do. Uh, there, there's a natural feel to that for sure uh, with pocket presence, uh, but I, I do think it can be developed, and we're, we're working hard on developing a lot of that right now with some of the drills that we do. Um, you know, we're trying to do the best we can up front of building a good wall up front and, and creating a good pocket and trying to get those guys to force them to step up in the pocket. We do a lot of drills for that with all the guys working on good transfers, stepping up in the pocket, and giving ourselves a clear throwing lane. So, yes, there is a natural part of that, Charlie, but they are trying to work on it too. And, and it's funny, the thing about yeah. it is that I think that's, that's Jones's one of his greatest strengths, though, too, right? Because he's willing to stand in the pocket and complete these passes with guys in his face, with the defense collapsing around them under pressure. And he's made a lot of his best plays in those situations. But there has to be a balance, to your point, between you know holding it, holding it, holding it. That turns into mistakes and turnovers, but also – making some big plays while under pressure. So there has to be an equilibrium that he finds in balancing those two parts of his game. Um, let me yeah, make a you know, like I, Go ahead, Charlie. Sure, go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was just going to say I watched uh, an old Clemson game with Watson, and uh, what Watson does is he, he steps up into the pocket. You know, if he's getting a rush, he steps up into the pocket, he still keeps his eyes downfield, and then he throws the ball. I've never seen Jones do that. Oh, that's no, not in the he, pocket. He, 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 he actually chucked the right he, a little bit. 
and then throws. It just seems like he stays right there at the five foot drop or the seven foot drop, and then he gets dropped. <laughs> well, Charlie, the problem is that he he does do that at times. And if you go to my if you go to the pin tweet on my Twitter timeline, uh, I go through a bunch of Daniel Jones plays from last year, and I have a series of three or four where he does actually slide in the pocket really well. Does he do it enough at all the time? No, he needs to do a better job of it, but he does show it, and thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it, that he can do it because he did it last year. So that's just something that you have to do more consistently, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it's something Daniel's working on. Well, all players, no matter what position it is, are asked to improve at certain things of their skill set. So you're going to have to eventually improve on it because if you don't, you're going to be out of the league because, you know what, um, <laughs> it's just the bottom line is that these coaches and staff they don't have they don't have that much patience right and so they'll give you they'll give you a few years to do this and that but if you're daniel jones and they're constantly like jerry shaplinski was saying we're doing these drills to to create some of that presence and it is kind of a natural thing to know it but if you don't have all of that natural ability we got to try to teach it to you so eventually you need to understand it and then eventually you need to take it and carry it over to the games my prime example is with punters and kickers if you take too much time to get the ball off, then you're going to start getting punts blocked. Or if you take too too many yards to kick the football, you're going to start getting punts blocked. So if you start getting punts blocked in practice, you need to work on your get-off times. And if that doesn't carry over into the game, as you start getting punts blocked, you're going to be blocked out of the league. You're not going to be able to play anymore. So I'm not saying they're going to cut Daniel Jones this year because he doesn't have that great pocket presence, but it's a work in process. And I think that eventually you want to see some sort of improvement and it's sustained improvement. Like, okay, he's no longer working on that. He's actually very good at it. And I think that's what Jerry Chaplinski is trying to tell us. Yeah. And the other thing too, Jeff, and this is something that both Joe judge and Jerry Chaplinski and Jason Garrett, I think all three of them mentioned at different points over the course of the summer, get rid of the ball quick. You know, take that three-step drop and get the ball out. And we did our big Daniel Jones review. And Andy, yeah, you yeah, find yeah. that linked on, oh, the, on the top of my Twitter timeline, too. The quicker he gets rid of the ball, the better he plays. The That's longer right. he holds on to the ball, the, the worse he plays. So just get rid of the ball quick. And if yeah. that means, you know, just taking a little five, six-yard gain, all right, cool, great. Go for it. That's awesome. Or you know? don't put don't as a coaching staff don't put him in positions that he's going to have to hold on to the ball an exceptionally right. long time, which is third and long and That's right. things of that nature. Yeah, if you get your running game going and hey, listen, I'm all for a three step pass to Evan Ingram and get him out in space and let him make somebody I mean, miss. Jeff Tom right? Brady lived on that. No stuff. question, Tom Brady has <laughs> been maybe the best quarterback in the history of the league. That dude gets rid of the ball quicker than anybody. You know who else does? Drew Brees, mm-hmm. get rid of the ball quick. And now get the ball in your playmaker's hands, right? And so, yeah. and that's why I I went I went the over on the Saquon sixty six catches because I feel like that is an equation for success. Now here's a question for you though: Are you a little nervous that maybe Deion Lewis might cut into some of that? Because he's another guy, by the way, that looked really good in that. Script. Well, by the way, I, I I'm I'm not. I would say, yes, I am a little bit nervous just because of our, <laughs> our win-loss ratio to it, but I don't really care as long as they're winning football no, games. of course. But I just, no, meant, I just but, meant in regards to the over-under prediction. But you, you know what? I, I think you might have a little bit of a point there because what we have seen from Deion Lewis is, number one, he does catch the ball exceptionally well, and the other thing, too, is the guy is so freaking small. He's five foot eight. Yeah, you can't Where see him. Where do you see him? Yeah, that's, and that, people don't realize that the perspective – of seeing the running back behind the line of scrimmage. And by the way, this is one of the reasons Emmett Smith was so good. 
Mm-hmm. Emmett Absolutely. Smith was listed at 5'11". That dude was not 5'11". No. I stood next to him and took a picture with him yes. at Strahan's um, uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Canton back whenever that was. Well, what, three, four years ago that was now. I don't remember. At the Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. I had a good two inches on that dude. And yeah. I'm about six feet tall. So that was what made Emmett Smith so good. These guys couldn't see him. All right. of a sudden, he's just through the hole and he's gone. And if you're a, if you're a linebacker or a defensive back, we talk about those angles. You know that you the tackling angles. If you can't see the guy, where are you going to start your angle? Yeah, at? you're right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, to back on back on the Daniel Jones thing and the three step drop. Yeah, sorry, you know, man, <laughs> I, that, I, no, I no, totally but, interrupted man, you. Then. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I feel like put him in put him in situations that he's going to become successful, right? And I think that's any good coach will do that to his players. He knows it. They know their players. They know their strength. They know their weakness. Don't put them in situations where their weakness is going to be glaring. Put them in situations where they're going to succeed, and then you can build on that. And by the way, that's also going to help a young offensive line that's figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Get rid of the yeah. ball quick. And, and basic, right? I mean, um, you talk. we talk about this all the time, and so does Coach Judge and all the other coaches. If you notice, the, the buzzword around this camp is fundamentals. Yep. And, you know, it's and it, that's what it is. It's all about fundamentals. And, and talk about – uh, what Joe Judge was saying about them putting together the offense and defense and their concepts, right? Just we, we this is our concept on offense. It's X, it's A, B, C, and D. On defense, it's A, B, C, and D. Well, we're gonna get those, and they're gonna we're gonna work on those fundamentals and concepts to, that we're so good at those. And then when all of a sudden the Steelers come out, the concepts are there, and we're going to tweak our game plan to try to beat the Steelers doing this. Well, guess what? The next week, if it's the Bears, when we're going to do that to this this team, that's going to be their M.O. for the rest of the season. You know, Jeff, and it's funny you bring that up because Joe Judge was asked about how he kind of builds upon his playbook <laughs> I know, as I read. the summer and <laughs> fall go along. So okay. I'm not sure if he did it on purpose, but it was a perfect segue. So here's Coach Judge. We try to do really here with our scheme and system is you build in the concepts of offense and concepts of defense. And then from there, you can build whatever playbook you need by week. Through From the spring through training camp, we've worked on all aspects of our playbook. Now, you don't have to go out there every day and load them down with every situational call and every situational play because a lot of things you don't carry week to week. But we have put all the tools in. We have put all the situations in. We have put all the concepts in. So when we form our game plan for any game, Jason, Pat, and T-Mac are all going to have the ability – to draw from what they want to do because our players have been exposed to all aspects of what the playbook would entail. And that's pretty much exactly what you just said, Jeff. I, well, with full disclosure, I did read the transcript. Yeah, so, I, I um, know you did. And uh, But what, what, I, what I smile about is I'm picturing Joe Judge walking down the aisle of Home Depot and picking out all his tools and putting them in a big toolbox, right? <laughs> I mean, that's their concept. That's the tools. That's what they're working on. And um, it's important that they do it and they do it correctly, install it correctly and teach it correctly because that's the bread and butter of both offense and defense and the special teams. Yeah, no question. Well, it about works. It. it really does. And I, I and, and again, as long as people understand this game, you can make it as difficult as you want. But players sometimes they react to certain ways. If you have an extremely intelligent team, then you can be extremely intelligent on scheme. You gotta you gotta work to the the advantages and where the where the players do well and what situations, and then you can kind of develop plays to to react to those kinds of things. If you try to put, I think the big problem with James Betcher last year was the fact that he was trying to put so much stuff into his defenses that the, that the personnel just, number one, wasn't good enough. We know that after what that defense did last year. But second of all, I don't think that they were ever put in a lot of positions to succeed. 
And so look what happened to the defense. Look what happened to the staff. And, and by the way, going back to your previous point, it's really easy to run the ball first and get rid of the ball quick when you're not playing from behind, too. When you're playing from behind and you got to throw it a billion times, things become more difficult. And, and guess what? And you now are exposed. Yep. So the team knows that you're, you're behind, and now what are you going to do? You've got to move the football. Yep. You've got to throw. And, best, and then the next thing you know, it's the, it, it's the defense advantage, and they can start stunting and, and blitzing you. And if you don't get rid of that football quickly like we want you to, you're going to get hit, and you're going to fumble. And by the way, I should have noted off the top, we are at our new time now this week, 11 a.m. Uh, we're only doing it at 11 a.m. this week, folks, because practice is from 2.30, is from 12.30 to 2.00. And then media is from 2 to 3. So we didn't want to do the show at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon because, well, we don't want to do it at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because I think that hurts everybody. We don't get it out as quickly. So for this week only, we're going to be at 11, except for Thursday, in which case we're going to have our special post-scrimmage wrap-up show, which I believe is going to be you and Paul, Jeff. That'll be on Thursday at 4 o'clock. So just FYI, that's going to be our programming schedule this week. Uh, back to a couple of notes I had from the scrimmage, Jeff, on uh, last Friday. Mm-hmm. I thought the two running backs were great, and I'm not going to mention Saquon Barkley, although he was fine. I thought Deion Lewis, to my point, that I made earlier, was really, really good. Mm-hmm. He had burst, and I worry whenever a team signs like a 30-year-old running back <laughs> that gets released by the prior team with money left on the contract where you're like, oh, I'm not sure how much this guy has left, but I'll tell you. He has some burst. He ran it well. He caught some passes. And I think he has the potential to be a real helpful player on this team. Yeah, I think it I, – I I've been impressed with him looking at him at camp and practices and stuff at how he has been moving. Um, throw a little caution to the wind. You, met, you hit the nail on the head of, about age. Um, and I think that Joe Judge and his medical staff and trainers will be smart with him um, because you don't want to you don't want to bury him. You know, I mean, you don't want to go out there and just got to give him a little rest, make him, you know, understand how he is with his body and he'll be fine. And um, and then the next guy, I think that, you know, he has something to prove. Um, he was in the doghouse all last year, the last four or five games of the season. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Goldman. Goldman. Yep. And, you know. And coming into this new season with Joe Judge and his staff, and he's made it clear that everybody has a clean slate, and that couldn't be any more music to his ears, right? And he comes out and does what he did the other night and showed some really good speed and flash. And I, I mean, this guy coming out of college has a knack for the goal line. I'm, I'm really curious. We didn't get to see a lot of that stuff down there, but I, I would really I'd like to see a little bit more of goal line stuff in the scrimmage and just see where he can – because he, he had a lot of touchdowns in college, a lot. So we'll see what happens with him. But he, he basically did a good, nice job for him the other night. Yeah, and then defensively, Jeff, on this side of the ball, the Giants did complete some passes down the field. But I thought, generally speaking, the coverage was fundamentally sound. You okay. didn't see anybody, like, running free, mm-hmm. wide open. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the coverage was fairly sticky. You saw some pass breakups. Grant Hanley had one. Jabril Peppers had one. Darnay Holmes had yep. one. So I thought, for the most part, the secondary played the role they were asked to play pretty well with the scheme. Yeah, and I, I agree with the, the wide open running down the field, man, hand in the air, throw it to me, look at me, I'm wide open syndrome. That kind of went away. Um, that Which was, is good. That, that was nice to see. Um, the other thing that I was impressed with the defensive backs was um, I felt like their communication was very good. For being such a new defense and a young kind of, I would say, personnel, I thought that these guys were around the football and they were where they were supposed to be. And I think that that's what you're going to see out of both sides of the football from a Joe Judge coach team. I think you're going to see discipline 
where penalties are going to cost you, and they, they know that, so they emphasize that in practice. I also think that coaching brings on less mental errors because guys are more in, in tune to where they're supposed to be and how the concept is going to work. Therefore, it's gonna, there won't be as many breakdowns in mental coverages and things like that or mental mistakes. And I think that those defensive backs were around the football. And if you're around the football, eventually you're going to make some plays, right? Eventually you're going to knock balls down. Maybe it's going to be thrown behind a receiver and there's going to be a defensive back there it's just, and he's going to make an interception. But if you're not around the play, those aren't going to happen. So those were good things as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no question about it, Jeff. And Graham Gano. I thought was really, really solid. He's a guy, he made a couple 40-yard kicks in the game. Yep. And he's been really good in practice. He's a veteran. I, I have, I very, to me, he's going to be the field Steady. goal kicker that I think could be here for a fairly long time. He's yeah. got a big enough leg. And I think he's going to be this kicker for this team for a long time, just the way Lawrence Tynes was. And I think that's exciting because we've kind of had guys come in and out the last few years, and you're yep. trying to find the guy. I think Graham Gano has a chance to be the guy for a while here, to be honest. Well, with if you look at Graham, he's a veteran. He's been he's been in big games. He's had big kicks. You know, he's um, not like, he's not old though. He's only thirty one years old, which for a kicker, Jeff, as you know, that's that's young. It, it is, and again, to my point, is that he's been my around enough you, to know that um, you know how how the game works, and I think that. Kicking is a little bit different than another position. At 31 years old, to your point, is now, not 33, old. Jeff. I'm sorry. 33. Well, even 33. No, 33 I is mean, not old for a kicker. Because what happens with kickers and punters is they're like wine, right? You know, the wine is just it gets better with age. And I think that you figure things out as you go through. If, you, if you're successful enough to get to 33 and still playing in the league, then you've, got, you've had some success, but you've also learned some mental success to that point. And I think that – we hit it. You asked me, or or Paul asked me about injury, and you know how that injury can affect him. And I told you that sometimes it makes guys stronger. Um, and I think as soon as Graham Gano knows that the injury is no longer going to hinder his performance, then he could be he could go out and 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 do very well. And I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, he. I mean, at thirty three, he is probably three, four, five, like top prime years left. Unless he, of course there's another injury. But I mean, again, he is such a big leg, Jeff. Yeah. That even if he loses some power on that leg, it's going to be okay. more than good enough. Yeah, and you really, you know what, in today's game, you, you really need to have a, a kicker with a big leg because guys are making 50-yard field goals like nothing anymore. So that shortens the field for your offense to get points. And I think that if you have a guy like Aldrich Rojas, that's why he was somebody was so enamored by him was because he could kick it out of the stadium. But, you know, that first year he, he had went to the Pro Bowl and, you know, last year he lost it mentally. And I don't think it was anything physically with him. It was just mentally. Um, so we wish the best for him. But Graham Gano has got a strong leg. And, you know, some of those drives that stall around the 35, 38-yard line, typically, you know, back in the day, I'd be in there knocking them down there inside the 10 from that point. Well, now they're kicking field goals. So you got a guy with a big leg that can help your offense. No question about it. 201-939-4513, folks. we got about 15 minutes of program left. Get in. Get on the line. We'll squeeze in your calls. I know it's a different time. People probably weren't all that ready for it. I get it. But if you're out there and you're listening, give us a ring. We'll get you right on. We have open phone lines right here. Let Jeff, me ask you a question. Yeah, please a question? ask me a question. Um, what do you got? I was going to get – I wanted to see your take on um, the young linebackers uh, that we drafted. I thought Carter Coffin looked really good. Um, from, rushing from, the passer from Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. That's the guy that I was, um, was going to ask you about because I know that uh, – 
that Joe Judge had mentioned about him and his play. And anytime you are mentioned by the head coach and you're a seventh round draft hmm. pick, that's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, and know, I think he can be used kind of as a move piece, right? He's such a well, good athlete. You can I move him so around. I was so funny because I was just rusher, on you know? my notes here. I was just going to, this was the question. I, I mean, he, a hybrid tweener, right? This guy, you can kind of play him a little bit of, you know, wherever you want, I guess. So um, I was just interested. I know that the copy of the, of what I watched on TV didn't show the whole scrimmage, so I'm just was curious about what you thought about the um, about Carter Coffin. Yeah, I thought and, Carter and Coffin, even Cam Brown and those guys. Yeah, I thought Carter Coffin did a nice job. Uh, he had an outside rush where he got home, then he ran a little you know scheme where he came inside, kind of. And yeah, but one of the hits on him, and it was a fair one. He's you know he's an edge rusher. He's 230 pounds, right? So how yeah. which, how powerful is he going to be? He dislodged an interior offensive lineman on a blitz, leverage, and got yeah. to the quarterback. So. Yep. I was impressed, and I think he can find a spot on this team as kind of one of those guys that you know you can move around, put on special teams. You know, he's this high energy guy; they're gonna like that about him. He'll play special teams if they ask him. I thought Cam Brown was great on special teams. He made a solo tackle on the opening kickoff yeah. on Corey Coleman, uh, and with his length and athleticism, Jeff, I think he's a prime special teams candidate this year. Oh, there's no question. All those guys, T.J. Brunson. Yeah, okay, I, didn't, not, I didn't see T.J. Brunson make any plays in the game. Tate Crowder had one play. I think he had a pass deflection Crowder, if I remember right, or did he make a tackle in the hole on a running play? I don't remember. It was one or the other, but he did have a play in the game. Um, so, to me, of all those guys, I think the two most likely – Guys, Coffin, you know, yeah. I think Coffin and Brown just because sure. of their athleticism. And their size. But look, Tate Crowder is also a special team's ace at Clemson. So I think that gives him a little bit of a leg up. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, T.J. Brunson has, is a really good athlete. So, look, I think they're going to try to find a way to squeeze as many of those guys as possible onto this roster. Well, they might have to try to, you know, sneak one onto the practice squad maybe. But I think they will do their best to get these guys on the roster because I think they drafted a lot of linebackers for a reason, right? They're versatile pieces. You can move them. No They're question. valuable on special teams, and those are the type of guys they want. Yeah. And, the, and playing a 3-4 allows you to have more linebackers on your roster, which helps your special teams. Real quickly, uh, sure. one guy that I was extremely happy to see and, and played pretty darn well was Ryan Conlon. And a guy that was, um, you know, has been hurt and just to come off that ACL in less than a year – um, and again, like I have told you before with, with injuries is if you feel confident as a player that that thing is healed, then you're going to play a hundred percent. And I thought that he did really well. And it'd be interesting to see if he can make it through and, and, uh, into that starting role. No question. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. He's with us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Len. Hi, Len. Hi. How you doing, man? I was just scanning the website, and all of a sudden, Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just goes to show you how John's life is. It changes every single day yeah, with, coach, when, with the coaches. Unfor unfortunately, <laughs> practice got moved from my 1230 to 2 every day yeah, this yeah. week, so we had yeah. to move the yeah, show time. I've been listening. Right, right. I've been listening for a little bit. I thought maybe, you know, my first thought was, Maybe maybe you were uh, trying to hide from the veteran callers. I, I don't know. <laughs> I know that somehow they found their way on, though. You always find us, guys. <laughs> uh, wow. Hey, we're getting we're getting cut to you know getting close to cut down day. Um, yep. Geez, I don't know how they're going to make these. I don't know how they're going to make these decisions. Uh, you know, I, I think in that scrimmage, maybe you play you know you play forty guys and hope you can find the last fifteen on the roster. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of jobs open. Uh, probably not the probably not the starting jobs. I think we're probably in pretty good shape there. I think the coaches can figure that out. But boy, there's a, a lot of ro seems to me there's a lot of roster spots left. 
Well, you got uh, fifty. Unlike, you're gonna have fifty-five of them, years. right? Or fifty-three on yeah. final cutdown day. So I think if you got yeah. your starters, yeah. you got eleven and eleven, and then that's forty-four plus three specialists, forty-four, forty-five, forty-six. Yeah. So do the math. So you got to find your seven guys there. Where are they gonna come from? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, you know, I. I yeah, yeah, and then we get to, you know, finally get to 53. Um, but, you know, there's probably, it's a strange year, so there's probably going to be some mistakes. I mean, somebody's going to get cut who's going to go on and, you know, be able to play well in the NFL, but, geez, it's just a weird year. Um, they got an expanded practice squad, too, that's going to help. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So if you look at it that way, Jeff, actually uh, – you know, 53 plus 16 on the practice squad of 69. We only got 80 guys on the roster. so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think they'll be scanning the waiver wire, too. Well, um, they always do. They the always problem do. with yeah, the waiver yeah, wire, Len, there, got... aren't, there aren't any preseason games to scout players on other teams. Yeah. It makes it tough. I think that waiver wire will consist of some of those veterans that you can stash on your practice squad which, for depth. Which, Jeff, by the way, another reason why they only showed low angles and stuff at the Giants scrimmage? You think they want people on other teams scouting <laughs> no. their players to no. claim them if they're trying to squeeze yeah, them on the practice squad? Just squads? like the Cowboys. I Absolutely. mean, no numbers, no numbers or names on the Cowboys jerseys. That was hilarious. <laughs> wait, wait, is that yeah. true? Did the Cowboys I, have no names or numbers? I didn't nothing. know that. They had nothing on there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Wow. wow. That's funny. Yeah, Go look at it. It's, I, it's you know, absolutely you know, hilarious. I, I actually see a post from The Athletic on it right now. <laughs> that's that's funny. I mean, listen, you, know, that, that, you could figure it out half the time. If the guy has long hair and he's a receiver and you know that that receiver might be, you know, whoever, you could figure that out. But a lot of times it's, it is hard to see. Yeah, who it is? Ceedee Lamb, you can yeah. re- Ceedee Lamb, you can yeah. recognize the other yeah. guys though. Is it is it Gallup or Cooper? Roll the dice. There who knows? Go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, exactly. Len. I'm sorry. You, you, well, that's all right. That's all right. You know that. Well, Coach brought up an interesting point. You know what the Cowboys are doing with that? With you know, with no numbers on their on their jerseys. Uh, I think every team is going to be looking at that waiver wire a little a little harder because there's probably going to be some people that those you know those scouts really loved. Uh, who are going to get cut. And uh, so I, I can see three or four guys coming in here and making a difference. Um, you know, but it's, it, it's, it, really, it really is a tough year. You know, um, I, I, got, I got seven linemen. I think they're going to go with nine. I, I got seven on my list. I think they're probably going to try to get to nine. Um, but, it's a, you know, that number eight spot, that's, that's a good spot for a backup center. And uh, who'll probably get a jersey on Sunday uh, because that'll give him an opportunity to get the 48 players dressed. So um, that, I think that backup center thing is going to be an interesting, you know, an interesting decision to make. Um, I, and I heard you speak of Lewis a little bit and his height at five eight, John. Do you got to wait on Lewis for Dion? For Dion Lewis, I do right here. Yeah, uh, Dion yeah, Lewis. What is he like? One? I'm gonna guess he's around he's 195. 195. Oh, how about that? He's 195. 5'8", 195. Wow. Yeah. That, that's yeah. He's got some. Yeah, he's got with some sandbags height. underneath that's his feet. Wait, at which, five. By the way, by the way, 195 at 5'8's not bad. Yeah, no, no he's got some no, little girth to him. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I thought you were gonna say like 183 or something like that. Well, you know what? He needs he he needs to be 195. I mean, listen, he's had some successful years running the football, like pounding the football. So at 195, that can help him a little bit. You know what I mean? Okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. One one more player I'd like your opinion on, and I'm I'm looking. You know, I'm thinking about that fifth 
defensive lineman. Where do you see, you know, I haven't heard much about McIntosh. He's been on the team for two years. What, what do you What do you think? Is, is he in line to get that, that six fight? Remember, last year we only carried five defensive linemen. Um, well, you know who you the know four, what? okay. So Dexter, yeah, yeah, Tomlinson, Williams, B.J. Yeah. Hill. All right. Um, yeah, yeah. You gotta uh, believe that Austin Johnson. I think Austin Johnson's got a good chance to make this team too. I think so. You know, that's 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 probably the right one right there, Johnson, because you need a backup nose guy, and he's a veteran. And that defensive, I think the defensive line coach knows him from Penn State. He does. And yep. um, so I think Johnson is probably uh, that guy. What what about McIntosh? You know, I guess you got to say a little bit of a disappointment. He had that weird first year where he was injured. Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah. He was you know, sick, maybe I think. we, you know, if we, you know, maybe we carry six, and he's probably in line to do that. I still like the Syracuse guy. I was high on him when we picked him, um, but it looks like he's, you know, he's up there at six and seven. I don't know if we can make this roster. Is that BJ Hill? But, you're talking about no, no, uh, Chris oh. Slayton. No, no, oh, no, Chris Slayton. 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 Yeah. Well, Slayton. I think I think you throw yeah, all I, those guys I, into that group. B.J. Hill, Chris Slayton, and McIntosh. I think you're 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 going to have to. In my opinion, one of those guys are going to make it out of those three. Um, yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think Hill is going to make it to get us to four, and then you probably need a backup nose tackle. So maybe it is Johnson. Maybe it's Johnson. Hey, listen, I'm glad I found you guys. <laughs> We're here. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. They found we'll us. Oh, wait, hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Quick question, Jeff. Did you notice who the up the up back was on the punt team? Or was it Ebner? I did not notice, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, we'll yep. talk later in the week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Len. Appreciate okay, the call. Len. Thank you. All right, real quick, Jeff. Before you say goodbye, I want to play this one more cut of Judge I have talking about. A question was asked of him when you get through a game situation. What are some of the important stats you look at in evaluating how the team performs? Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things you got to look into right there. I mean, to me, penalties and turnovers are always the most critical things, be, you know, past the actual score. You know, I think that's where you can tell what kind of ball your team played that day. Again, based on the opponent, you know, some nights you may be more happy with, you know, you know, the rushing defense or the, or the passing defense. That all bases on how the you know, flow of the game goes with the opponents and what you have to do that specific week to win. You know, that being too obvious, obviously points are number one. But I like to kind of look at the length of drives, sustained drives, explosive plays. You know, but really, to me, it's all about just good fundamental football, which comes back into turnovers and penalties. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, listen, I've been hearing that for years and years and years yeah, and that, years. That, you know, people want to call him Bill Belichick. That sounded like it's something out of Tom Coughlin's script. That, I mean, 100%. Let's be honest. Yeah, and I tell you, that's what he used to tell us all the time. Penalties cost you games, okay, and don't turn the ball over. That's the it couldn't be said any any better. And then you look at some of the other things that he talked about. I, I know that just from the underlying messages I'm hearing out of Joe Judge, discipline, okay, fundamental football, no penalties, right? Don't turn the ball over and score points. Um, I mean, all those are just basics of football, right? But you got to have the you got to have the guns to score points, and those guns start with your offensive line, and then down to your to your um, you know your your skill positions. So. But if you have those guy, those guys and they all perform good together and you don't turn the football over and you don't have penalties, uh, first, how many times, John, are you sick and tired of seeing first and 20, first <laughs> and 15, right? Or you, on, or you have a nice drive going, you have a 35, uh, and then you get an offensive holding penalty. It's, it's, it's too hard. It's just too hard to play. You can't, do, you can't play that way. You know how hard first and 15 is? First and 20 to, even, to be even worse? Um, or second and fifteen. I mean, you just it changes your your whole damn playbook. Goes from being the size of a menu 
the the McAdoo days, right? The, the diner menu down to a flip card that's like a piece of index card. That's basically all you can call place for when you're in those types of long down and distance. And then, of course, third down when we always look at third and longs and how you can how are you gonna how are you gonna succeed on third and nine all the time? You're just not gonna buy penalties, 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 penalties. Get away from them. <laughs> Correct. Correct. No question about it. And it'll be really interesting to keep a running tab of the, and we can do it every day or every week, you know, the penalties that this team gets through the first half, the second half, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter of the season. You know, where are they at, comparably speaking, to the seasons beyond, before, and then the wins and losses and how they equate to how this team is playing better disciplined football. All right, Jeff, I have two pieces of NFL news I want to get to. I want to get oh, to this instead of doing our little game. No, nothing serious. Okay. All right. How about the Jaguars releasing Leonard Fournette? Well, that's a bit of a shocker, but from what I was reading, um, sounds to me like you know the guy just didn't didn't fit. You know they got that other guy there now. So uh, what's what other name? guy? Um, didn't they they just drafted the guy from? Didn't they just draft the guy from LSU? Right? Wait a second. No, I, no, I think their running back room is pretty bare. I think Rykel Armstead, a fifth round oh, pick I'm last thinking year, of somebody else. Who's the is, guy that came guy? out of? Uh, who's the running back that came out of high? Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He went yeah. to the Chiefs. Oh, he went to the Chiefs. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, because right now, after Leonard Fournette on their roster, they have <laughs> Divine Ozigbo, don't know who that is, uh, Nathan Cottrell, don't know who he is, uh, James Robinson, don't know who he is, and <laughs> Rykel Armstead, a fifth-round pick from last year. But they did get Chris Thompson from the Redskins, but he's more of like the third-down back type guy, right? I don't think he's wow. going to be punishing it between the tackles on a down-in, down-out mm. basis. So... Uh, this is going to be interesting, and it, there must have been issues in that locker room because he was not, you know, making a ton of money. So, boy, you know, and, remember, and, and rookie contract that's guaranteed, right? So, yeah. apparently, they were according to reports, they were trying to move him. They couldn't find a taker. So, boy, I mean, well, it'd be interesting to top see how, five pick man. Yeah, Ooh, but boy. And now let's just see. Let's let's give you a little idea. I know you know how this works. And by the way, that is also you know everyone that hates picking running backs early is is on their high horses this morning. Now. Oh yeah, right. And you know how news spreads fast amongst organizations and stuff. So we'll see how quickly he gets picked up or not gets picked up. That'll kind of give you an indication. And remember, he isn't he isn't like a new age running back either, where he's catching a bunch of passes. He's yeah, kind of like pounder. your old school pound yeah. it, pound it, pound it big guy. Dude, yeah. Big dude, big mm-hmm. dude. Well, you know, to me it sounds, and then I know the other news you're going to say, but it goes in, it's indicative to this, right? I mean, it, it sounds to me like the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are in a position play for, what's his name, Lawrence next year. Oh, tanking for, <laughs> tanking for Trevor, you think? Yeah, right. I'll I tell mean... you what, Gar- Gardner Minshew might have something to say about that because if he plays well enough, they're not going to pick high enough to get him. That's right. That's right. But if they don't have a running back <laughs> to hand the ball off or anybody to throw to, I guess, you know. I don't know. Well, it'd be interesting to see. And then in Gawkway, you know, the, what happened there was, was they got. I mean, he got got a good deal. Oh, you know, I wasn't even going to bring up the Ngakwe thing because that was over the weekend. But you're right; we haven't talked about that yet. And that's what a second rounder and a conditional fifth that can become a fourth if he's a Pro Bowler and a third if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. So remember, they were apparently looking for more than a one at one point for Ngakwe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's going to play for less money in Minnesota than what he would have made in Jacksonville on the tag. And also, so they, something's I, going on in Jacksonville right now. It's, it's I also read I also read that the Vikings that has it's a friendly trade contract deal where they they said that they can tag him next year still. Mm-hmm. They will they'll be allowed to do it. Wow, so, interesting. Yeah, but the Vikings get better. Look, they lost Everson Griffin, right? And well, now th- that defensive line is like, or at all levels, you look at all levels of that defense the for the for the Vikings. Yeah, they're good. Whoa, 
Yeah, and look, and Mike Zimmer's an excellent, you know, defensive coach mm-hmm. too. Then the other one that came over while we were doing the show, the Raiders apparently released Prince of Mukamara. Mm. So nope. cornerback on the market. There's two cornerbacks on the market, actually. One that might be able to play safety that played up in New England, too. Right. He's and, still around there. And and that's a guy we've we've talked about for like yeah. six months who, mm-hmm. you know, we all think is a good player. And Well been, he changed agents. Yeah, he and did. That's that, that's that's an interesting thing. Well, right? and apparently the old agents were being very fierce in terms of the amount of money they wanted. This again, this is just according to reports. Yeah. And yeah. the new agent was is kinda like, All right, let's let's get a deal done. So I'm guessing with the season now two weeks away. We're going to get see a movement done. on these guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Jeff, good stuff, my friend. Thank you, John. For Jeff thank Eagles, you, everybody. Right, thank you, everybody out there. For Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmuck. A reminder, we're at 11 o'clock every day this week. Spare Thursday, in which case we'll be at 4 right after that scrimmage. For Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmuck. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Stay safe, everybody.